Good morning, people. I just landed in your town. Welcome to the podcast that wants you to set a course for adventure, your mind on a new romance. Hey. Hashtag just, just saying. saying. <laughs> the love boat theme is awesome. The love boat. Soon we'll be making another room. That's what we're doing here. We're making another the run. The boat. <laughs> That's what we're doing here. We're making another run. As we do every week. <laughs> Thank you for joining us again. I am Tara. And tonight, I am Jason. I am never going to remember that. That's why I'm going to have the bottle right here. Oh, helping. <laughs> so I'm Sean. Jason. Sean is Jason tonight. <clears throat> Not Voorhees, just Jason. Just Jason. Because those of you that are just tuning in and didn't catch last week, Coca-Cola is doing their summer thing where they're putting your names on the bottles for you to go out and trash the bins and trash the uh, little <laughs> fridges in the supermarkets. <laughs> yeah. Looking for your own name. And I decided every week I'm going to pick a different name and be that person for the night. That seems fair. Last week I started off with my own. <laughs> Good way to start. That seems fair. Bada bing. Bada bing. Okay. I... I'm on the last days of my vacation from work. Oh. Boo indeed, my friend. Boo indeed, Jason. <laughs> now when I call you Jason, you're just going to be like, I'm looking at him. So what happened was three days into my vacation, uh, my husband and I went up to Providence, Rhode Island. So we were driving uh, home from Providence, Rhode Island, and all of a sudden, my car, my car decides that uh, it doesn't want to go anymore. <laughs> it is on strike. My car went on strike <laughs> um, in the middle of a highway. I just got on, if anybody knows the area, I just got on Route 79. Uh, I was right in front of the... Um, exit not exit six but it's like uh, uh, route six off ramp and my car i was i had my foot on the all the way on the gas and the car's like yeah no <laughs> i want to break and people behind me now i immediately sensed that something was wrong because like, i'm not moving uh not very well and anyway, i could have got out and walked and gotten in front of the car <laughs> that's how fast like fast i was going well my check engine light's on but it was been on and I thought I knew what it was, and apparently... Maybe it was the gas cap. <laughs> what is it with people that saying that? I don't know. Um, so, anyways... <laughs> so, I, I sense that I'm in danger, so I threw my hazards on. And people behind me were honking. Of course they were. And I'm like, my hazards are on, people. That's... What more do you want? This is 2018. No one gives a flying fuck. <laughs> They just want you out of the way. Amount of fucks I give. Mm -hmm. Boom. As so, Skeletor says on a meme. Yeah. The amount of fucks I give is zero. So <laughs> I did manage to get it to the side of the road. The car did not want to go to the side of the road. I managed to force it to the side of the road. Because no one would get out and help. Well, yeah, nobody, nobody helped. And you know what? Yep. Here's the thing. I managed to get the car to the side of the road. Barely. On its last breath, I got into the side of the road, and then it was like, puh. <laughs> 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 just 
<laughs> so I, I, you know, I stop the car, I shut the car off, and we call AAA. We have AAA membership. Let's use AAA. So we call AAA. The woman on the phone says, oh. oh you again. No, no. <laughs> that would be from Jay. Uh, the woman on the phone says, oh, you're on a, we're like on a highway, like an interstate. So she's, oh, well, you're a priority call. Nice. So I'm going to get somebody to you right away. Nice. <laughs> really, Sean? Really, Jason? <laughs> really? So. <laughs> nice? Uh, it would have been nice. Oh. Well, here's what happened. So we're like, okay. So we sit and we wait. And we wait. And I didn't want to turn the car on. Um, and I didn't want to do anything. So we're sitting and it's like, oh, I don't know, 80 degrees. So we're in the heat. Cooking. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, I had just, we had just gotten, uh, anybody from the New England area would know, Dell's Frozen Lemonade. We had just gotten some Dell's Frozen Lemonade. Lemonade. It's a that cool, cool refreshing drink, drink, especially when it's frozen. <laughs> Uh, it's cold? Ju- if if you're not from this area, it's basically a slushy. It's a slushy <laughs> with you know, flavoring. Slush. Yes, it's a slush <laughs> with slush. So I'm drinking my Dells, and I realize that you know what? What? The more I drink of this, the more I'm gonna have to pee. And yeah. I'm on the side of the road right now. And it's too bright to go squat. And there's no way to go. <laughs> I have no way to go. At one time, you want to see that porta potty. I don't know that I would have used a porta potty if a porta potty was available. If it was an emergency, you would have to. <laughs> sure. Jason, <laughs> you wacky Jason, you. I'm gonna throw you off of this. You are, but I'm doing. I'm doing my best. <laughs> so finally, they call. They they call and they say, "Well, we'll have somebody there." Twenty um, minutes. No. Ten. Uh, it was more like a thirty to thirty-five. Yeah, top priority. So we <laughs> waited like over an hour. Yeah, real priority. So the guy shows up, right? <laughs> and he's a little guy. And he's like, what happened to your car? Puh. And I said, well, I know, it, sh- it just went puh. <laughs> <laughs> With that little that little cloud up in the back. Uh, so I said, well, you know, it, it just, I have my foot on the gas, it's not moving. So he's like, oh, okay. And he goes, will it drive up the ramp? And I said, you're welcome to try. (laughs) And he looks at me and says, well, the faster I get it on the ramp, the faster we get out of here because, you know, my life is in danger. And I was like. Like yours ain't. And I was like, dude, I've been sitting here for an hour. Getting honked at. My life was in danger. Mm -hmm. Oh, and we called the police, by the way. We called the police because we were at a very vulnerable position on on the road. And you need the, the lights. And so Jay called the police and he said, whoop, whoop. <laughs> well, he called the Fall River police first because technically we were in, we were on the, like the borderline of Fall River. And he goes, I don't know. Should we call state police? Should we call Fall River? So we ended up calling Fall River police. Yeah. Well, it sounded like state jurisdiction, but go ahead. So, well, he <clears> asked <throat> the guy, he goes, I don't know if this is state police or what. And he's like, my wife and I are stuck on the side of the road. Tow truck said he's going to be here in like an hour. Um, can you send somebody out? And he goes, yeah, no, I don't have, I don't have the guys for that. And Jay's like, but you have the guys to do speed traps? <laughs> like, everybody's like, pull somebody off a speed trap. He's like, we could die. And he's like, yeah, no. 
So he hung up, and he told me what had transpired, and I said, well, that's that's amusing. So that was Fall River, right? Yeah. All right. People, <laughs> if you're ever in Fall River and you need police help, don't call them because they don't give a shit. They don't give a shit. So we're going to spread the word right now. The Fall River PD sucks ass. <laughs> doesn't care to help the people that they're hired and paid to protect. No. So fuck so, them. So, well, here's the thing. I know. Okay. <laughs> I'm ignoring it. Okay. So, <laughs> here's the thing. Um, he hung up. He told me what happened with the conversation. And I said, well, you know what? I said, if somebody ends up hitting us, they're going to have to come out anyway. I was like, so he's saying that they don't have the people, but he's going to have to have the people if we get hurt. Mm-hmm. Or if the tow truck guy gets hurt. <clears throat> so the tow truck guy showed up, and then he's, you know, talking about, you know, the, the less my life is in danger, the quicker we get out of here. And I'm like, we were just stuck here for an hour. And, and then we explained to him that we had called the police, and they couldn't give two shits. <laughs> and he's like, eh, figures. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so then he spent the, he was very chatty. Very chatty. Like, and we, it was like a, from where we were to where I was having it towed was like a 49 minute ride. Ooh. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. <laughs> I have never been, to my knowledge, and I'm thinking and I can't recall, I've never been in a tow truck cab, okay? So I don't know if this is all tow trucks or just this guy. The cab was very small. Well, and you, I'm not, I'm you, not you saying said, that. You say he was small. He was small. He was short. Perfect. But I'm not saying this as like, oh, I'm chubby and the thing was small. <laughs> my knees, I couldn't get, like, I was too tall. My <laughs> knees were in his dash. Mm. So I had to adjust my legs. I, I sat. It was the driver, me, and Jay. And so I had to shift my legs this way. So my <laughs> legs are going toward where the passenger would have their feet. And right? putting your butt on his thigh. <laughs> I guess, essentially, although yeah, it's, not like, you warm. it's not like he would have complained about it. Nicole, I'll keep you warm. My husband, not the driver. So, <laughs> he was very chatty. And he, I mean, that's a long ride to just have... Da, 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 da. And he's like, I have the most dangerous profession in the world. Then quit. <laughs> Stop bitching about it and quit. He goes, I have the most dangerous profession in the world. And I'm like, really? And he goes, yeah. He was a tow truck driver's driver every day. People don't pay attention. And I said, no, people don't pay attention. I was like, I'm a driver out there. I know. I wonder why. I know. Cell phones. Cell phones. I don't understand what's so. And then he was he was talking about all these. He was giving me a million examples of shit that people do. People block tow trucks and stuff like that. And I don't know if it's an upcoming law or if it's already in place. But he said that if you block a tow truck, upcoming or, or, or now, I'm not sure. Uh, you can get a fine for that because, Ooh. yeah, it's like a $1,000 fine Ooh. because they're going to clear, like, I'm talking like the highway. He goes, because we're going to clear an accident and you're blocking us from getting to the accident to clear it. And so you're holding up traffic, you're obstructing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And you know the thing that they want to do and it's going to... Congress, I guess. I don't, maybe not Congress, but uh, I don't know if it's a local thing or if it's for all tow trucks like across the country. They want the blue and red lights on top of their vehicles. Mm. <laughs> Sean's going to have some. <laughs> Give them red and yellow. 
Red, red for stopping, yellow for caution. They want the red and the blue. Well, because they think people will pay more attention if it's red and blue. Put one blue in the middle. <laughs> they really want the so, blue. Put one blue in the middle. Because yeah. people are going to think that the police is starting to drive bigger trucks. So I said, I said, well, you can't really have that. <laughs> because only the police can have blue and only fire can have red. And he mm. goes, yeah, I know. He said, that's why we're trying to get it passed. It's like up going to be voted on soon. Red and yellow. I said, okay. And I said, but here's the thing. I said, if you guys get police lights, how often do you think some tow truck driver is not going to abuse that? Mm-hmm. And he goes, well, we mm-hmm. want it for senior drivers only. Right. And I was like, okay. I was <laughs> like, but what if somebody, and I didn't say this to him. I ended the conversation there and he went, he went on on his uh, brand new thing but i was just sitting there and i was thinking okay but if you work for a tow truck company you work for uh jason what if you worked for sean's tow truck company <laughs> and he has a fleet and the only truck available has blue and red lights on it and you're you've only been on the job for two months so he's got to give you that truck yes 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 so i mean saying that it's for only senior people I mean, in theory, that's great, but I don't think that can really happen. No. So that was the longest ride of my life. <laughs> and, well, not the longest ride of my life, but it was definitely a very long ride. And when you get your car back, you go have a little chat with it. Yeah. Don't ever so, do this again. You prick. <laughs> don't you go, bleh. <laughs> so, <laughs> bleh. <laughs> so we got to the, we get to where we're going and the mechanic met me in the yard and he came out and he was like so what happened with your car and i was explaining it to him and he goes oh he said but it will start and i said yes and he said okay he said because the way it was explained to me was that it wouldn't start he goes and i was thinking boy a lot of new cars don't do that they'll start and i was like not if they don't wanna (laughs) like (laughs) not if they don't wanna so Carl was in a bad mood that day. Yeah, so he's like, can we drive it off the ramp? And the tow truck guy was way ahead of him, and he's like, yep, I'm driving it off right now. And he <laughs> went and he drove it right off and pulled, pulled it right into a parking spot. And like, the, here, here it goes. I know. <laughs> and then the guy's like, okay, well, we're going to take a look at it. And I had my mom meet me there, so we had a ride away from the mechanic. <laughs> so uh, we jumped in my mom's car. We were on our way. I was halfway to my mother's house, and I realized that I had the keys to the car in my pocket. <laughs> and Jay looked at me and goes, yeah, they're not going to be able to do anything. <laughs> I was like, no, I know. Unless they hotwire. So I called back, and I was like, I have the keys. I'll be back in a little bit. And he's like, Guess no problem. I have. Yeah, and he's like, no problem, Will. I'll go to lunch. <laughs> I was like, go ahead, go to lunch. Have lunch on me. No. So. Buy you lunch. I know. So then I went back, I am the keys, and I got what I thought I needed out of it, but then it turns out I didn't, and then I went home. So the next day, I waited until about, oh, say, 1 o'clock in the afternoon, 2 o'clock, and I called up, and I said, um, so what's going on? You get a chance to peek at my car? Take a little peek? <laughs> and he says, uh, yeah, I was just about to call you. I said, okay, and he goes, I'm going to have... that don't sound good. 
He goes, I'm, I'm putting together an estimate for you. Uh, and I'm like, okay. No, don't. Because estimates mean bad things. Mm. Estimates are bad. <laughs> Whenever somebody's like, let me draw up an estimate, that means it's not going to be cheap. Well, drop it like it's hot. It's going to be expensive. <laughs> drop it on the floor. So he's like, I'll call you back in like an hour. He called me back like four hours later. Dick. I know. And Well, no, no, not a dick, but I was like, okay. I, I knew I wasn't going to get it back that day because that, I, I could just feel it. So he goes, yeah, um, okay. He goes, uh. Yeah, that's a great start. Yeah. He goes, how are you? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> what kind of mood are you in? Yeah. Do you want the bad news or the worst news? He goes, well, I, I got to talk to you. And I'm like, okay. And he said, well. Here's he the said, thing. Here's, here's what happened. And I'm like, okay. And he goes, well, I read the code on the car because the check engine light was on. He said, I, he told me the code number. Like I was going to be like, oh, okay. <laughs> I completely understand. Uh, basically, my catalytic converter is is gone. It's it's bye-bye. Puh. It went puh. <laughs> and Hyundai, I have a Hyundai. 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 However you want to pronounce it. Hyundai and Hyundai. Right now I'm calling it a prick. <laughs> because Hyundai. Bitch. <laughs> likes to not make parts available outside of Hyundai. So this guy goes, I looked all afternoon trying to find a new catalytic converter for you. He goes, I can't get it. He goes, I have to go, I have to literally go through Hyundai to get it. In a way, you think they should have known that already. Well, I mean, how often, I don't know how often that happens. I've never had a car that well, I had I'm to replace. I'm sure they the, dealt with a lot of Hyundais. Well, so they should know just in general. Well, maybe not the catalytic converter, though. <laughs> I've never had a car that I've had a catalytic converter issue. I don't even know what so, that is. Uh, it's a piece underneath. It connects the the air take of the engine to the exhaust. Oh. It's like a middleman. Huh. It like it's it works as a filtration. And it does this whole thing. That's also where your oxygen sensor is. Is one in the catalytic converter. So everybody learning. <laughs> Now you oh, know. Oh, boy. Now you know. So, anyway, mine's bye-bye. Bye-bye. Mine bit the... Yeah. <laughs> it sounded like gizmo. No, bright light. Bright light. Bye-bye. Bright light. Bye-bye. So, he told me... <laughs> at this point, he told me how much it was going to cost me. And at that point, I stopped hearing anything he had to say. <laughs> because... You this, dropped the phone. Uh, literally and you know what i had just come out of the bathroom and i'm like i should go back in the bathroom uh, this is i need to sit down i need to sit this is awful so it was horrible and then um anyway so that, it's just a huge pain in the ass so I, I went and talked to my dad because i dropped my mom's car back off to her so she could run some errands and stuff errands and my dad was like so where are your car so i was telling him and he goes so what did they need to do and i was like Oh, there's this big, huge thing. Like, they have to weld a piece. There's, like, a big, huge thing to this. And he goes, I don't understand. And I said, well, I wish I could explain it better to you, but he made the mistake of telling me the price at this point, and I didn't hear a word he said after that. <laughs> I said, so there's a lot of shit they have to do. I just don't know what they have to do. So his damn labor cost is going to kill you. It's, I don't know. He goes, it's the shipping. He goes, I'm going to order it now. He goes, but they're probably all gone home. He goes, it's two to three days away from me. He goes, latest I'll have it is Tuesday or Wednesday. He's like, it's a one-day job. He goes, so you'll probably get it back Wednesday or Thursday. 
And I'm like, son of a bitch. Hopefully you'll get a phone call Tuesday. <sighs> I'm not. I'm counting on it. He goes, Thursday the latest. And I said, all right, I'll have it back Thursday. Because that <laughs> that's how my life goes. So if anybody wants to pick me up, <laughs> try me to work. That'd be super fantastic. At least it wasn't any gas cap. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. I was just, I was floored. I would have made the estimate really low. I know. I'm sad. I'm very <laughs> sad. But what can you do? That's cars for you. It is cars. You need them and they're <laughs> assholes to us. You can do you can do all the maintenance you could possibly do on a car and still it's like, meh. Like things just break. They should be your best buddy though. <laughs> they should treat you like you're a king or a queen. Cause yeah. You buy the car. Yeah. You, you take it home. Mm-hmm. You're doing monthly payments on the car. You're doing payments mm-hmm. on the insurance. You're paying the inspection sticker, the registration. Mm-hmm. You're paying for these fun stickers you put on your windows. <laughs> Look at my fun sticker! You're feeding gas into it like every few days. Yep. You're putting a lot of shitload of money in there. Oil changes. Yeah. Regular oil <laughs> changes, yep. I probably do those like a month later than I should. When that, because I, I have a light that comes on, it's like boom. You really need to check your engine. And I'm like, oh, oops, light cleared. <laughs> I'm usually within a week or two after it's over the um, the mileage that the little sticker in the corner says. Yeah, I've I've learned not to let it go too more, far. more than a month because um, I had a whole clusterfuck of a problem after that. But uh, we don't need to talk about that. I I have horrible luck with cars. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Jason, <laughs> we uh, we have uh, we uh, we actually have stuff other than my misery today. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> oh, fuck! You want to start with us? Yeah, you can. You know what? You can start. I've been talking for too long. You can do okay. whatever you like over there. I'm gonna have a drink. I'm. I need a drink. <laughs> oh, I need a drink. I need a drink. Maybe she was poisoned. I was telling my husband last night, I'm like, maybe I should like start drinking booze again. <laughs> maybe I should start hey, drinking. I already told you that like a few weeks ago for the show. <laughs> start drinking before the show. Yeah. If I ask people to write in and say, do you Sweet agree? Tea. If I ask people to write in and say, do you agree that she should drink before the show? I'm sure we'll get a lot of uh, I was, <laughs> responses. I was just about to say that would be the thing that everybody would respond on. Yes. You're like, Tara, <laughs> drink. <laughs> I'm trying. Please. <laughs> well, I recently came across, for all those of you that have vinyl records, if you're old enough to know, you know what they are. If you're not, everybody, Everybody knows what records are. You should know because they've been coming back the past year. They have. There's been a boom. <laughs> a boom with vinyl <laughs> records. Um, there's quite a few that's listed here that uh, you might have at home. And they could be worth money. Oh, money, money. So go to Grandpa's attic <laughs> and uh, see if he has any of these records. <laughs> and hopefully they're almost in mint condition because that's what will get you the money. Oh, yeah. First one is the Beach Boys with 10 Little Indians. <laughs> one to hold on to. Original pressings of the single. 7 inch, comma, 45 RPM, which means it's one of those little small vinyl records. 
Baby record. <laughs> baby LP. <laughs> <laughs> That's how singles used to be. Oh, yeah. Before our time when we had cassette singles. Oh, geez. And then CD singles, which I loved. Now some are just released as digital tracks. Yep. Um, original pressings of the single are only worth around $100 now, but with a band firmly fixed as rock and roll legends, these days it's fair to say their early singles will be worth a great deal in years to come. So, you still got time. <laughs> uh, I know, when you go to those old flea markets or whatever, digging <laughs> the crates. Yeah, seriously. Sometimes people don't know what they're selling. Why can't Tori read? I can't see what? a thing. No. Is that an actual thing? <laughs> yeah. The letter Y, can't with a K, Tori What the read. hell? Oh, I gotta hear about this. What is this? Singer-songwriter Tori Amos's failed rock debut is highly prized among fans of the piano-playing artist. The 1987 album, which has since been reissued, was panned by critics and a limited number of LPs were pressed. Hmm. Mint copies, though, can fetch up to 300 bucks. Okay. Okay, wait. Wait, wait, wait. I'm gonna make a prediction, okay? okay. I, n- I never do this. I haven't seen this list... So if if so, don't think that I like cheated or anything. I'm gonna say on one of on one of these should be the original pressing of Billy Joel's Cold Spring Harbor, because when it was originally pressed, they double timed the speed, hmm. and it's wrong. Is it? Yes. Um, the other one, which I I th- believe it's hard to find. Is um the the Beatles had done an album, and I don't remember the name of the album, but they had uh, the the they had done this cover of them in like a meat shop or something, and they were like covered in blood. It was weird, Ew. and they decided that it might be too offensive. <laughs> so they put a sticker over that uh-huh. when they pushed when they pushed it out. Mm-hmm. So it's a but it, like if you peel back the sticker, you get the original cover. Nice, but it's a hard album to, to find, and I. F- we can forget the name of the album, so that might be on there. I don't know, but that's my prediction for those two: Billy Joel and, and the Beatles. Yeah, I printed this out sometime last week, so I forget what's on here. <laughs> I, was okay. to look, I was trying to look ahead, but some of these pages don't want to separate from me right now. Oh no! Stick together. <clears throat> the next one is Britney Spears. Is Britney released in two thousand one? The limited edition of Britney's third album features a colored vinyl record, which came with a poster and a cardboard insert. A bonafide collector's item, the extra special LP, is worth up to $400 in mint condition. Whoa, for Britney Spears? In mint condition. Oh, we're in the wrong business. Yeah. <laughs> we need to make a hashtag record. <laughs> It'd just be us going, goo, <laughs> boo. <laughs> Oops, did it again. <laughs> what was the, what was the, I forget the car sound already. Puh. Puh. <laughs> Next is Marilyn Manson with the Golden Age of Grotesque. Okay. And I said that right. You did. I'm very uh Yeah, pleased. thank you. Congratulations. If you snapped up a vinyl copy of Marilyn Manson's fourth studio album during your teenage goth alternative phase, you're in luck. Whoa. 
The double 12 incher from 2003 is worth up to $570 in mint condition. What the fuck? And even used copies can fetch several hundred bucks. Are you kidding me? I that wish is I was. Crazy. Yes, it is. It's, a lot of these are newer. I was expecting like old albums. Yeah, like Beach Boys. Like, the, I mean, like Beach Boys is the oldest thing on there. Well, not yet. Yeah, that's true, I <laughs> guess. <laughs> List is still young. I know. I, the, the, the night is still young. <laughs> So's the list. <laughs> Next is Aretha Franklin. Take a look. R E S P E C T. <laughs> Buy my record, please, please. <laughs> that was pissa. <laughs> Anyways. Stereo versions of the Queen of Souls 1967 album. Uh, take, I won't take a look, are few and far between, and collectors have no qualms about paying hundreds of dollars to snag one. Mint condition can achieve up to $750. Jeez! <laughs> really? Only if we knew this before. But then again, we were... I don't think that would have helped me, really. I was born 10 years later. I still couldn't have got it. <laughs> ma! Ma! Buy this! <laughs> First, first word, record. <laughs> Aretha! Aretha! <laughs> Bye. <laughs> now. My future self told me to tell you to buy it. <laughs> Don't open it. <sighs> Next is Elvis Presley with Elvis. Love you very much. Elvis's records don't tend to sell for much, which is surprising as hell, given that most teenagers in the 1950s Bought them by the bucket load. Ooh, buckets. <laughs> Two tears in the bucket. Bucket. <laughs> However, certain records are worth a pretty penny. Look, a penny. Aw. Have a look out for mono copies of the King's debut album. Copies can sell up to $1,000. Whoa. Yep. Oh, my gosh. 1000 bucks. Yes, yes, it's another one of my silly puzzles. <laughs> it's not 50000 but it's 1000 The next is The Doors with Morrison Hotel. Oh, gosh. First pressings of The Doors' fifth LP are worth good money. Anything up to $1,100. They're not easy to identify, but look out for original copies on Elektra, E-L-E-K-T-R-A. There's a record company, I believe, back then. With light gold slash tan labels rather than red or brown, as the lather were used on later pressings. Oh. Okie dokie. Buddy Holly. <laughs> That'll be the day. That'll be the day. <laughs> the original 1958 pressing about Buddy Holly's That'll Be the Day album, released by Decca Records a year before the rock and roll pioneer was killed in a pain. pain. In a window pane. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> the plane crash. Uh, it will set you back $1,500 in mint condition. Oh, whoa. While used copies with slight imperfections go for around 1000 That's still a lot. Yes, it is. What is wrong? And if anybody out there has one of those, just we'll give you the address later to mail it to. <laughs> we can use my P.O. box. There you go. Uh, Miles Davis, kind of blue. Oh, 
Oh, okay. Another one you can't retire on, but mint copies of Davis's Kind of Blue LP are worth up to a very respectable $1,500. You're looking for a 180-gram blue vinyl copy, parentheses, not hard to spot, <laughs> with a 6i label. Columbia switched to a 2i label in 1961, making the former versions more valuable. Right on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, dear. The Pagans, six and change. I don't even know what that is. That's people against goodness and normalcy. <laughs> P-A-G-A-N. Pagan. Yeah. <laughs> nice work, Joe. I don't, but I don't know who that is. Okay, I'm going to shut up. <laughs> An iconic American punk record. Really? This cult 7-inch single by the Pagans was released on Neck, Neck Records in 1977, which was when I was born. Only 200 are known to have been pressed, and mint copies are as rare as hen's teeth. Okay. <laughs> That's very specific. It sure is. Tom Petty, Wildflowers. Oh, okay. <laughs> Tom Pel- Pelly. <laughs> I'm reading too quick. (laughs) Tom Petty. Tom Petty's solo work divides people more than Donald Trump. Boo. (laughs) Bully. Okay. Unopened copies of this album with two original inner sleeves can fetch $2,000, while mint copies go up to $700. Uh, $700, which is not petty cash. Oh, I see what they did there. <laughs> this represents the last of the petty, petty cash. cash. <laughs> yeah. Look out for that artwork, and you could be in for a treat. Ooh, I like, like a treat. Yeah. I like a good treat. Not going to lie. The Cashmere's Showstopper. During the <laughs> 1960s, mods in the north of England... Created a movement based around non-mainstream Motown-style music called Northern Soul. Collectors pay crazy sums of money for the most sought-after records, which include this 1965 dance floor filler by Washington, D.C.'s <laughs> The Cashmere's. I've never heard of this band. They can fetch you up to two grand. Well, they, they can fetch me two grand. <laughs> Bring it here. Yeah. Put it right here on this table. I will love it. One for each. All right, then. Four grand. <laughs> if I'm splitting it, I want the two. <laughs> I'm not going to argue that. All right. I'm trying to jump around some that I know, too. No, this <laughs> one's nice. No, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> this is good. No, it's not. Jolly White, England's greatest recording stars, the Beatles and Frank Ifield on stage. Puh. Puh. U.S. label VJ Records released this compilation album in 1964, pairing the Beatles with easy listening star Frank Ifield. Only 100 copies of the cover that features the Fab Four was produced, making this particular version of the LP one of the rarest Beatle albums. And that can fetch you up to $2,700. That is not the album that I was thinking of. Just so we're clear. So I can't be like, I was right. uh, So far, I'm not right. Motley Crue, Too Fast for Love. Ooh. 
The first batch of Motley Crue's debut solo album was restricted to a limited edition of 900. When it was released November of 1981, these copies, which feature cover typography in black and white rather than red, are worth up to $2,700 a piece. Wow. This is a depressing list. Yeah. Well, it's just depressing in the fact that, like, why is it worth so much money? And why don't we have any in this condition? <laughs> and where can we get these? <laughs> Who wants to donate their records to us? Yeah. Next is The Queers. Kicked out of the Weblos. Only 200 copies of the 7-inch EP by punk band The Queers were ever produced, and when a copy of the 84 recording does come up for auction, collectors fall all over themselves to bid it. They can expect to shell up to $2,800. Oh. <laughs> well, that's making tariff, eh? That's a lot of money for a record, especially for a band I've never heard of. Mm-hmm. It's like, what? Nirvana. Bleach. Okay. Copy of Nirvana's 1989 studio album won't pay off your mortgage, and most vinyl editions won't even cover your cable subscription. But various re-releases are worth a great deal. Well, we should stop buying then. Mm. Look out for the red and white. Look out mm-hmm. for the red and white marbled edition, which is worth up to thirty-two hundred dollars mint condition. Blow me. <laughs> Other reissues are also valuable, but this is the pick of the bunch. Back to Nirvana again with Love Buzz. What the? Before Nirvana got famous, the grunge band from Seattle released this 1988 7-inch single on Sup Pop Records. Never heard of them. Sup. (laughs) Pop. (laughs) Given only 500 were pressed, the track is revered by dedicated fans who will pay up to $3,500 just to add it to their collection. It's only because he passed. Like he's dead. That's how they all go up. And that's how sales double and triple. Yeah. It's like back when Michael Jackson passed. It's like he's starting to sell all his albums and Thriller again. Like they were just Mm -hmm. released for the first time. Del Shannon running with. Well, they don't finish that. (laughs) Just running with dot, dot, dot. Stereo copies of the 61 album by rock and roll artist Del Shannon are extremely thin on the ground. Only 80 are thought to have been pressed. This, of course, makes the LP hugely desirable. And mint condition copies can sell up to $3,700. <laughs> it's amazing. Like, I'm just like, oh, who would, and like, who would pay that much for a record? I know, it's just like, yeah. oh. And who's got that kind of money to spend on a record? Well, the further well we, there are people out there, I'm sure. The further we go on the list, the more the higher the prices are going. <laughs> so it was an uh, ascending order. Yep. <laughs> That's great. So I'm going to do the next one, and I'll skip ahead a little bit. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. Elvis Presley again. Can't help falling in love. <laughs> Elvis's 61 classic, Can't Help Falling in Love, which I just said. Hmm. Sold over a million copies in the but U.S. I can't help <laughs> falling in love with, with glue. 
week to stop sniffing glue. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> sold over a million copies in the U.S. and the standard 45 RPM singles are 10 a penny. The limited edition 33 RPM singles are, on the other hand, are worth a fortune. The hula cover version is the most valuable, <clears throat> realizing up to $4,000 at oh, auction. Oh, come on. At auction. Really? Yes. Oh, gosh. I just want to stress again, at auction. <laughs> so that no one's writing in and saying, Oh, you said it was worth four grand. I got less. Well, it says here, at auction, and I didn't... Hmm. I didn't write this. He did not. <laughs> he didn't at all. John Coltrane. Blue train. Oh. <laughs> they like trains. <laughs> <laughs> Choo-choo. The last word in classic jazz is LP. John Coltrane's Blue Train is ridiculously collectible. Original deep groove mono pressings of the 1957 Blue Note record are the most esteemed and command the highest prices, going up to $4,700 a pop. <laughs> <laughs> going up to $4,700 a And take that. <laughs> now let's name somebody that we definitely know. Bruce Springsteen. Oh, Jesus. Spirit in the Night. Oh, so it has to be a Springsteen album I've never heard of. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Let me guess. His first album. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Copies of Springsteen's first release with Columbia Records. Or, well, with Columbia, so that could be... Um, few more records down the line. We don't know. Mm. I just know the one with Born in the USA. <laughs> yeah. Born in the USA, Dance in the Dark, in Philadelphia. <clears throat> pretty much all I know from Springsteen. Okay. And his part in We Are the World. Born to Run. Thunder Road's a good song. Rosalita's a good song. Uh, Hungry Heart is a great song. Everybody's gonna... Mm-hmm. I forgot about that Go, one. bitch, go! <laughs> 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 uh, first release with Columbia Records is so scarce. Collectors will pay up to $5,100 to acquire one. A seven inch single was released in a very limited number back in 1973 before the boss hit the big time. Boss! <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> Uh, Misfits, Legacy of Brutality. Due to a printing error, 16 copies of this limited edition, damn right it's limited, uh, version of the Legacy of Brutality LP by New Jersey punk band Misfits turned out pink. Ooh. The remaining 984 are either white or red. If you have a precious pink copy, it could be worth up to $6,000. Whoa. 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 For reals. For shizzle. <laughs> <laughs> With Hank Mobley. Like other Blue Note classics featuring this roundup, Hank Molly's 1957 album is tremendously valuable. Only several hundred copies were printed, some of which feature an error on the label. 
Mm-hmm. Mint copies are worth up to $10,250 and possibly more. What is going on in this country? Possibly more <laughs> with the label error. That is crazy. Help me, Hank. Help me, Hank. <laughs> For God's <laughs> sakes, will you help me, Hank? I need to be rich. I want to be rich. Oh, that's a good song. I lost the sound in my headphones. That's because I slammed on the table. Yes, it was. Well, get out of here. <laughs> Oh, there you go. Yeah, yep. All right. Good. <laughs> Get your mitts out of there. <laughs> Get your mitts off me. Um, Elvis Presley again. He's whoring this list. I know. This one for him, that's all right. Is it? The first ever Elvis single. That's all right. was released in June. Oh, when was it June? July 1954. <laughs> July. Junalai. Junalai. <laughs> it's a new month. It's Damn new. this March weather. <laughs> it's mixed. <laughs> uh, and popular music was never the same again. Mm. Mint condition copies sell for thousands of dollars. But the most valuable feature is a misprinted upside down number 207 on the B side. Mm-hmm. And they could fetch up to 50 thousand dollars wow this is crazy this is crazy so i have no idea if you're a record collector like how you can tell if your stuff is valuable because they all have little like numbers and stuff on the back i think there's a way you can do that well, i don't there, personally know there is a way we could know what anybody listen to us that is a record collector mm-hmm could write in <laughs> there is they could tell us you know what you would write you would write to the word hashtag just saying podcast at gmail.com you know you can just write us in and be like hey um sorry about your car tara <laughs> <laughs> let me give you this record to pay it off <laughs> <laughs> i know because i'm gonna be doing a lot of prostitution to pay off this bill <laughs> Should have started with the tow truck guy. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, husband. he was short. I got to have standards. So, <laughs> Your husband was there, too. Yes, he was. Uh, believe me, he's not happy about the bill either, so I'm sure he'd put me on a corner just and drop me off. So, actually, if you want to comment below, because we filmed the YouTube video, uh, we post the podcast video up on YouTube, you can uh, comment below, Tara, sorry about your car. Or you can comment, hey, I have that record, and put your address and day and time you will be out of the house. <laughs> or just say, I have that record in mint condition. Contact me. Yeah. <laughs> I will help you pay off your car. Day and time you will be out of the house. <laughs> and we'll swing by. <laughs> just leave it on the porch. <laughs> oh. uh, two more. Bob Dylan, the freewheeling Bob Dylan. <laughs> I see he tried to get fancy with the title, freewheeling Bob Dylan. Yep. <laughs> As one of Dylan's most laundered records, most copies of this are not worth a huge amount. However, certain editions can feature four additional tracks are insanely valuable. Original stereo copies are worth up to an incredible $35,000. Oh. Monocopies will sell up to $15,000 in mint condition. That is gross. 
Now remember, the key words in all these are worth up to. And mint. <laughs> the only mint I have is fucking after eight. <laughs> <laughs> or in the mornings. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. You, there's a lot of people out there that say, they hear, oh, it's worth up to 35000 Like you, yeah. you see it on like the show Pawn Stars. Yeah. The, they have a guy come in, check out the thing. Well, what do you think it's worth? Uh, I'd say give it this and that. Mm, mm. 12000 About 12000 As soon as they walk away, first question they ask him, uh, what do you want for it? He said 12000 I want 12000 Yeah. No, up to. <clears throat> well, the other thing with that is that you could say, well, I have this Bob Dylan record, and it's worth 35000 in condition. Okay, well, that's fine. You can have something that's worth that much, but you need to find somebody who's willing to pay that much. That too. You know what I'm saying? Like, you could have a $30,000 record, <clears throat> but that doesn't mean someone's going to come along and say, well, I'll give you 30000 for this record. Mm-hmm. Just my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Good opinion. <sighs> now, if anybody has this next one, remember what we just said, give it to us. We'll take it off your hands <laughs> for you. The Beatles, yesterday and today. All right, let's see if it's the the cover that I'm talking that I was talking about. One of the most infamous album covers in music history. Mm-hmm. This 1966 U.S. compilation originally had a photo of the Fab Four wearing butchers' smocks and draped in yes decapitated dolls and meat on its yes. front. Yes. 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 Yeah. Oh, thank you. It was pulled from those stores that had allowed it to be sold after a day and replaced with a much more um, (laughs) nicer photo of the band. The so-called first state versions with the original image are hugely valuable and very rare. Mm -hmm. A sealed copy. Yep. Can and has sold... For $125,000. Wow. Via Heritage Auctions in 2016. Wow. So one sold for 125000 Wow. Second state pressings with a replacement cover pasted over the original are also very valuable. Look for, quote, file under the Beatles and T2553 in the top right corner on the front cover. Once news broke of the switch, many enterprising fans peeled off the replacement cover with varying degrees of success. These are known as third state copies and are less valuable. Oh, so you were better off leaving the little sticker on there. Yep. Yeah. And they fooled you. They'll take it off. Yeah. Uh, a quick story about that because um, uh, I, I like uh, Penn and Teller, okay? And Penn would often uh, be interviewed, and people would say, how much would it cost for you to say, uh, tell me how all your tricks are done? And he would say, that record. I want that Beatles, first edition, with the butcher, blah, blah, blah. Right? The maker and the candlestick maker. Yeah. And it's so it's rare, uh, so people would be like, oh, okay. And worth of a quarter of a million. Yeah, and it's worth quite a bit of money. But he he there was a time when they were doing interviews that he would say that in every interview, and Tyler got bullshit because he's like somebody's gonna take you up on that. So one day they were at the theater and a package came, and he opens it up 
and it's that record. Oh. And he starts sweating. Oh. Right? He's like, oh, shit. <laughs> He's like, somebody actually took me serious. Somebody took me up on that. So then there's a card. So he opens up the card, and it says, here's your record. Now shut your fucking mouth, love teller. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. <laughs> Boom. Um, tell her, do you want to send us this Beatles album? <laughs> Please? Sure, why not? Just so you know, it's a, the Beatles yesterday and today. And yesterday. We expect it sealed. <laughs> Sean, dude, we have nothing to offer him. We don't have secrets. We don't have secrets. Penitentiary secrets. We're offering... Put his name out there, and <laughs> he doesn't, uh, he doesn't we're doing a good, there. we're doing a nice podcast. <laughs> <laughs> doing a nice show. Look at our cute little show. <laughs> Look at it. It's a nice, cute little show. And you refreshed my. Uh, I did. Mustache. Uh, do you want to do something else? What do you you want me to do something? You do you, something. Wh- you, <laughs> you do something. I'll say this for last. It's very. You short. save that for last. Okay. It's very short. You know what I have because I like talking shit about people. Well, yes. all right. I like talking shit about celebrities. So, rudest celebrity you've ever met. We're back to the rudest celebrities. Because you know what? Rude celebrity stories, you never run out of them. Jake the Snake Roberts. Jake the Snake Roberts. Okay. Ba-dum-bum. Okay. I'm going to skip this one because I have no idea who this bitch is. All right. <laughs> Moving on, bitch. It's somebody who I don't even know who she is, and there was a an occurrence, and she was like, "Hey, don't you know who I am?" And it's like, "No, no, I really hate when people say that. Don't you know who I am? No, don't, don't, know, don't, don't care. Don't you know who you are? <laughs> you need my confirmation. Anyway, check your wallet. You'll find out. William Shatner said he would give me an autograph in Hawaii when I was about ten. He said, "Hold on, let me get a pen." Then got in his limo and drove off. <laughs> What an asshole. <laughs> that's, okay, two things. One, that's a total douche move. But two, that's kind of funny. Yeah. It's kind of funny. <laughs> it's kind of funny. I'm sorry. That, like, the kid must have been like, oh. <laughs> <He's trying laughs> <to play." laughs> but that's horrible. William, I've heard, we've done these before, these rude celebrity stories before. I think every time I do it, at least one or two people have a William Shatner story. <laughs> like he's just an asshole. Yes. Okay. Bam Margera showed up in Seattle once to film an episode. Talked a lot of shit to the wrong local skater. I watched Bam get knocked out by said local. It was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Nice. <laughs> I want to see footage. I haven't met many, but Lenny Kravitz stayed at the hotel I work at. He had the hotel sign an agreement that staff were not allowed to look or talk to him. Well, However. He, yeah, he should yeah. hang out with Kevin James. Oh, God. I know. Kevin James has this rule. You're not allowed to look or talk to him. It's fucking ridiculous. So this person says, however, Snoop Dogg was cool. He left a bunch of booze and weed behind in his suites. The housekeepers got a bunch of top shelf hooch and weed after he left. I'm sorry. Is there a funnier word than hooch? That's just funny. Hooch. What's up, hooch? I'm surprised it doesn't say gin and juice. I know. I'm usually too inarticulate to talk to celebrities. Oh, I feel you. I understand where you're coming from 100%. Yeah, 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 I, I did stay in a hotel room next to Mark Wahlberg over 10 years ago. He and his friends were extremely loud and listened to 80s rock music all night and never slept. Woo! It was rude. 
it, it wasn't rude exactly, but it was more annoying. Alec Baldwin held an elevated door for me once. He was the only celeb I've encountered to acknowledge my existence. So I guess he would be the nicest person. Okay. <laughs> I like that. They gave a, a horrible and a nice one. And I've heard mixed reviews about Alec Baldwin. Mm -hmm. So, I was in Las Vegas airport on a layover. Layover. Laid. And I, was <laughs> <laughs> and I was reading Give Me the Damn Ball by Keyshawn Johnson. I was 14 or 15 at the time. Behind me at the airport convenience store was Keyshawn Johnson. 14-year-old me is super excited. He, <laughs> just, he had just signed with the Cowboys, and I was a huge Dallas fan. I walked over and said, I'm a big fan, and I'm reading your book. From behind his sunglasses, he looks at me and says, leave me the fuck alone. Wow. Well, that's when you take his book and throw it at him. I was crushed. In a moment of hate, I screamed, it's Dallas wide receiver Keyshawn Johnson, <laughs> and walked away. <laughs> By contrast, I was watching a Packers-Vikings game with Mike Ditka at JFK Airport. He's awesome. <laughs> there you go. And do a play-by-play? -play? I guess. My parents often tell the story of when we met James Spader at a Mexican restaurant. James Spader! <laughs> Ultron! And many other things. <laughs> at the time, I was a baby, and as babies do, I picked up a chip and handed it to James Spader. He then looked up confused and said in a James Spader voice, That baby handed me a chip. <laughs> I don't know. To be fair, it wasn't rude. We we all would be confused if strange babies tried to hand us chips. That's true. And from that point on, the kid's nickname was Chip. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that when you gave James Spader a chip? Yeah. It was awful. Eric Roberts was a guest at a small local comic convention. Why the fuck was Eric Roberts at a Comic-Con? <laughs> Sucks. Thought it would be cool to get a signed pic of him as the master. I have no idea what that must be a character, I hope. He pretended people weren't there until they paid his manager the 50 bucks. My wife's parting shot as we walked away. Loved your work on Celebrity Rehab. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. Ooh, burn. Burn. I once called Prince Charles Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> and was then suspended from school for doing so. Aww. It wasn't his decision, as administration was right behind me when I said it, but Naturally. he was he was definitely not impressed by my edgy teen behavior and gave me a slight scowl. <laughs> See, I thought, I always figured, like... Off with his head. I always figured Prince Charles would be hip. He'd be like, oh, well, all right, what's up? To you. Royalty is not hip. I guess not. Randy Jackson, he was invited to a telethon hosted by a hospital for children with severe disabilities where my sister lived until she passed away. Whenever the cameras were off, he would hide in his hotel room and seem disgusted with the kids. Whoa, fuck you, Randy. Didn't want anything to do with them. When the cameras were on, though, he was all smiles and hugs. It was disheartening and disappointing. It was almost ten years ago. I still remember it clearly. Well, you should. That was awful. He's a prick. Oh. My dad is a pilot and frequently deals with celebrities. His company has all the stuff, all the staff sign NDAs, but my dad usually doesn't even know who the celebrities are unless they've been in the news. He said that Nicole Kidman and Keith Urban are incredibly rude to their own staff. Personal assistants are terrified of them. Quit. <laughs> Quit. I know. Quit. It's like grab them and throw them out the plane while you're up in the air. <laughs> Boom. I got your thing. Here's your latte. As you're throwing him out the door. Here's my resignation. <laughs> I, I regret nothing. 
I quit. <laughs> oh, Benicio Del Toro. He was having lunch at the table next to me and my friends. He must have seen us talking about him because he stood up, came over to our table, sat down, and ordered a bunch of food. He ended up spending a half hour talking to us. Then he paid the bill, tipped well, took some pictures, and left. He's the only celebrity I've ever met, so that's <laughs> at least... <laughs> This person's like, I don't have a rude story, but he has a story about a celebrity that I met. <laughs> That's incredible. This is a long-ass story. I'm trying to figure out if I want to read it or not. I'm guessing no. <laughs> I don't want, like, I don't want to read, like, long-ass stories. Chevy Chase. Oh, boy. Chevy. Was he on vacation? <laughs> you were. Chevy Chevy Chase saw him at a hotel, and as a small eight, nine-year-old kid who loved vacation movies, I asked for his autograph. He went off on me verbally, and then when my dad came over, he went off on him for something fucked up like not raising me right. Dude's a straight asshole mid-level celebrity in the 80s for a second. First of all, wait a minute! (laughs) Chevy Chase was huge! So fuck your opinion on that. I beat up my mic, I was so pissed off. (laughs) Now, you know what? Now I'm thinking maybe Chevy wasn't the problem. Because you don't even know that he was a star. <laughs> I think you're the asshole. Taking that to to the bank. <laughs> Cha-ching! I know. Sorry. I just got off on it. Like, I went off on a Chevy Chase tangent. My mom was a waitress in the Dallas area at the early days of wrestling when the WWE was still the WWF. Yay! Wrestlers would show. It should still be that way. I know. Wrestlers, after a show, would come to her restaurant and eat there because it was close to the venue they performed at. Yep. She met a lot of uh, old-school, famous wrestlers before it was popular. Apparently, the Ultimate Warrior was a real asshole who never tipped. That's the only person she didn't like. Well, even a lot of the wrestlers that he worked with didn't like him. Yeah. Oh, boy. Prick. No! Jesus! (laughs) Um... Can't defend that. I know he can't. <laughs> I was an extra on X Men: Days of Future Past. They were all nice. Jennifer Lawrence was the one. Who are you? That was the more meh with people. I don't blame her too much because it was her peak Hunger Game popularity. Puh. Uh, <laughs> she was probably afraid people would always try to give her too much attention. However, the other actors don't care about that. Nicest ones by far were Hugh Jackman and James McAvoy, from what I saw. For McAvoy, one of my friends was one of the extras right behind him in a scene, and we were shooting 14-hour days and cooking 40 and cooking 40 degrees enclosed green screen. What the fuck? That doesn't even make any sense. We were running in high heels and wearing winter jackets. Basically, it was a hellish day. We couldn't sit anywhere. Well, McAvoy saw my friend uh, wasn't doing right, and he let her sit in Professor X's chair. And have a bit from his water bottle. Well, that's disgusting. First of all. And with that said, the dude would just talk and chit-chat with everybody, despite the very strict non-conversation with actors contract we signed. He's just that chill. Hugh Jackman literally signed autographs in between shots and high-fived everyone all the time. Yeah. Go! Go, Hugh Jackman! Go! Also, Peter Dinklage was disco was dancing disco during the heat wave day to cheer people up. That's cool, I guess. Look at me! <laughs> Staying alive! Staying Stay alive! alive. 
Oh, Busta Rhymes came into the jersey shop I managed in Atlanta and got pissed off that I didn't have a hat in his size. He called me a dumb fuck, which hurt because I was a huge fan uh, going way back to leaders of the new school. Until that moment. Same store, Tyler Perry said he would buy me and sell me after I told him that the on-field 5950 Yankee hat was dark navy uh, was dark navy blue and not black, even though he demanded a black Yankee hat like they wear on the field. Snoop Dogg, Michael Vick, Terrell Owens, especially Terrell Owens, uh, they're all cool as fuck. <laughs> so far, Snoop's two for two. Two for two on Snoop. Pierce Brosnan saw him loading a car up at Farmer's Market in Santa Monica. First of all, can I just have the image of Pierce Brosnan at a fucking Farmer's Market? Picture this. Yes. I walked up to him and told him I was a big fan. I didn't ask for a picture or anything. He got in his car and, as he was backing up, told me to fuck right off. Maybe I was in the uh, wrong for walking up to him. I was just excited. You know what? There's ways to deal with people. Like, if he didn't want to talk to you, you'd just be like, you know what? I'm kind of in a hurry or something. You don't tell people to fuck right off. Fuck you. Sorry. No, you're right. This angers <laughs> up the blood. I shouldn't have done this. I'm all no, angry I'm, now. I'm feeling the same because... Yeah? You know, a lot of people say, oh, I want to go to Hollywood, become a yeah. famous person. I want people asking me for my autograph. I want fans. And then when you get them, you treat them like shit. Yeah. Well, fuck you and don't go to Hollywood. Fuck you and don't go to Hollywood. Dan Aykroyd. He no. had an extraordinary high opinion of himself. <clears throat> he has a cottage near my hometown. And two things most people seem to agree on about him is he is a douchebag. Uh, and he's always got some of the best weed. <laughs> I want to think they're in Nantucket. I have no idea. Because that's where he has a cottage or a bunkhouse. And that's where he wrote Ghostbusters. Met Gary Busey one time. He taught my little brother how to break someone's sternum with a headbutt in a living room. <laughs> That's not rude, but it definitely weird. <laughs> now you gonna tell me he showed him how to open something with his teeth. I don't fucking know. Gary Busey's a weird dude. Jaws. Yes. My brother worked at a very fancy ski resort motel, and celebrities came through there all the time. Kiefer Sutherland <laughs> apparently was the biggest asshole, but the funniest story, I think, is that Lars Ulrich uses the fake name Bruce Wayne... Gotcha, bitch. Uh, I sort of imagine he wanted to look like he was being cool and discreet, uh, but he didn't actually want to be discreet about his presence, so he used the most suspicious, uh, suspicion-provoking fake name. Hmm. Sure. Oh, this one will break you hot. Peter Mayhew. Sorry, everyone. Oh, no. I'm a huge fan, and he was one of the first of the OT, I don't know what that means, actors that I had a chance to meet. Original trilogy, OT, I gotcha. Boom! <laughs> that I had a chance to meet in person at a Comic-Con in Houston. I managed to catch him at a time where there was no one at his table, so I walked up. Well, that's the best time. Paid for the autograph, then moved down to the table where he was sitting. As I walked up, his wife, maybe, was standing next to him, refusing to let him continue until she got a kiss. I could tell he didn't want to do that at the time, but she insisted, and after a time... Uh, of me standing there waiting, that probably felt longer than it was. They got it over with, and he turned to me to sign the picture. I said hi and addressed him, and he didn't look or speak to me during the entire time. Uh, I decided to try and spark up conversation, and I said, Hey, Force Awakens comes out on my birthday, and I'm really excited. 
or something like that. Lord knows everyone and their mother uh, were probably asking him about Force Awakens at that time. Mm-hmm. So I didn't think he'd be blown away by my comment, but man, he sure was not. He didn't say a single word, signed my picture silently, and left his uh, agent to pick up the slack with her saying, Oh, wow, that's cool. I put the picture in a frame, but immediately put it in storage. Every time I look at it, I think how disappointing it was to meet the man. Mm-hmm. That's what happens, man. Sounds like to me, his wife mm-hmm. pissed him off, and he's just holding it in. Okay, unfortunately. And how about you, stars? <laughs> don't bring your wives. What the, like, if, like... <sighs> they don't need to be there. They're not the ones that we're going to see. I don't give a shit about your wife. You shouldn't either. <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't either. Not when people are paying like forty dollars or whatever, or sixty okay. or eighty. Oops, Peter Mayhew again. I did it again. This is twice Peter Mayhew. God, I accompanied my friend to a comic con whose hobbies include getting autographs and photos with celebrities. He was very short with us and didn't care we were fans at all. He interrupts my friend in the middle of compliment complimenting him for his work, stating the cost of the photo and the autograph. This is fine. Until... We, we ask him if we can take a photo instead of one of his photos that he's selling, and he tells us we'll still pay the full price for one of his photos. This is fine. As my friend goes to walk around the table to stand side by side, he shouts at us to stay on the other side of the table. So we try our best not to look insulted and take a super awkward picture of an annoyed Mayhew and my friend trying to lean back to make it look like they are posing for a pic. We try to thank him right after he brushes us off, and as soon as we hand him the cash. Dick. In contrast, we met Margot Kidder at Lois Lane. She was super nice and even let us take pictures pretending to be flying with her like in the movie. <laughs> that was her suggestion. Too bad she passed recently. She did. Wow. Chewie's a bit of a crank. Yeah. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop these before we get too depressed. <laughs> yeah, we might see four more Peter Mayhews. Yeah. Well, that makes me not want to meet him. You have a writing implement? I sure do. Terrific! Yay! So let's do your thing real quick. Well, this was recently in the news. Syracuse, New York. Yeah. It's a case that pitted a mom and dad against their own son. The couple wanted their 30-year-old son to move out of their home in upstate New York... Yeah. Despite eviction notices and offers of cash, he wouldn't budge, according to CBS New York. So now, a uh, court ruling is forcing him out, and he's complaining about his parents. <laughs> Quote, I don't want to live there anymore, Michael said uh, on CNN. It doesn't sound like you have a choice, Michael. No. And Hello, Michael. <laughs> If your parents are trying to evict you and get you out of the house, yeah, don't say I don't want to live there anymore. What a what is wrong with people? How old is he? Thirty. He's thirty. Uh, well, I can't really complain because I didn't move out of the house until later in life as well. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't like. But I mean, like I was saving and doing stuff. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Like, I was too. I feel like this guy was just sitting in his mom's basement playing but video I, games or something. Yeah, I wanted to get out, and yeah. get my own place. I think this guy didn't want to leave. It doesn't sound like he did. Uh, but that hasn't spurred him to find a new place to live, even though his parents want him to move out on his own with his life. Mm-hmm. Quote, I don't have the means to do that tomorrow, he said. <laughs> what? 
When? When is that going to happen? When he gets a job, probably. <laughs> the family drama played out in a Syracuse courtroom. Uh, yeah. Michael Rotondo has been living with his parents for eight years. They told the judge they've had enough and have tried about everything, including offering money to get him out. They said, you need a... Ah, here it is. They said, quote, you need to get a job. <laughs> you need to get health insurance. In the time that he's been at home, Michael said he's never been expected to contribute to the household expenses. You dumb shit. <laughs> at least do that. Assist with chores or the maintenance of the property. He blames his so-called failure to launch on a custody battle he's been waging over his own son. Wow, someone screwed him. He had somebody had sex with him. Somebody had drunk enough. <laughs> I was gonna say, did he pay for it? <laughs> I'm getting my son back. That's what I'm doing. He said. Can you imagine that, dude? Hang on a second. Mm-hmm. Be like, I, well, I really want to have sex with you, but can we wait till after eleven? Because my parents go to bed. <laughs> And we, yeah. gotta, we gotta be really quiet. You wanna come to my house? Well, it's really my parents' house, but I'll sneak you in through the basement door. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really not supposed to. I'm supposed to observe curfew. <laughs> I'm sneaking you in past curfew. I like you that much. I can't go out after eleven. My mommy didn't buy me condoms though, so you on the pill. <laughs> I'm in between jobs right now, so I can't <laughs> do it. That is like the slacker fucking thing. Well, I'm in between jobs right now. I'm holding mm-hmm. up for a management position. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really in between jobs. Looking for the right thing. <laughs> That's actually a joke from National Lampoon's Vacation. Yeah. He's only up for a management position. <laughs> 18 years. Uh, but, but the judge agreed with mom and dad that he can go do that somewhere else. He ruled, quote, I'm granting the eviction. Michael contends he's owned a six month he's owed a six month notice. Mm-hmm. Quote, I would rather, I would consider much of what they were doing to try to get me out as a tax. He moved in with his parents in their New York home after losing his job. Although he has many interests like me- <laughs> mechanics. I have many interests. Yeah. Hang on, I've got many interests. <laughs> like uh, mechanicking. Mechanicking? <laughs> Have you ever been under a hood? Have you been in an engine? No. Yeah. But check your gas cap. <laughs> check the gas cap. Um, he hasn't had any luck finding a job. I'm sure he's really tried. But he is college educa- educated. Okay. Quote, I went for engineering and then... Uh, I c- <laughs> I went for engineering, and then when I couldn't do the math... <laughs> I can't I, do math! I switched to business. When asked about his long hair, he replied, You know, why do I need to pay for my haircuts? What is happening? Yeah, he does have long hair. Yeah, maybe maybe if you got a haircut... Well, uh, we're holding the picture up for YouTube. Well, that probably won't be in the video, but anyway... <laughs> Uh, maybe if you got like a haircut and made yourself presentable, uh, you'd get hired. The Shim Sham. Well, he tried. He's got a suit on. Yeah, well. This, this picture was probably off the court. Well, you know. Yes. Jeez. Uh, he also said things with, with his parents and now 
advisorial, and he intends to write a letter to their attorney asking for three more months to pack up his stuff and get out. Dude, just get out. GTFO. He's trying everything he can to uh, keep his ass there in that house physically. Picture him like they're trying to push him out the door and he's got his arms in the doorway and he's like, no! Mm-hmm. <laughs> My God! Picture mom going to get a baseball bat and start running down the hall. That's some pathetic stuff. I'm not saying anything like if he was living at home trying to save money and stuff like that. And then like, he's helping out. Yeah, helping. Working. I mean, clearly he's a boil mooch. on. Clearly he's a boil on their ass. The mooch. Get that thing lanced. Lance that shit. <laughs> okay. Well, that that just about does it for us. Yeah. 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 Fuck. Um. <laughs> so thank you for joining us, uh, me and Jason. <laughs> That's me. He'll be somebody else next week. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I haven't figured out who yet. So, I want you to um, have yourself a, a good time. Uh, it's been a rough. It's been a rough week with the new stuff. Of the. Uh, yeah. This the, will be for the still. <laughs> the uh, the Anthony Bourdain stuff really hit me today. <laughs> I was like, man, I loved him. Mm-hmm. He was great. That's fucked up. So, if you're having problems, call somebody. Or just listen to a funny podcast like you're doing. Ours. <laughs> yeah. It's always the best. All right. I have said way too much. I'm going to shut up now. Uh, Sean's got something to tell you, and I'm going to go cry about my car. <laughs> Puh. Puh. Have a good everything. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> oh, no. You know what? Just have a good everything. Get the fuck out of your parents' house. <laughs> Don't wait 20 years.